Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about a special Capricorn Q&A session. Uh, so, uh, if you have questions today, please put them in the chat. Um, if you are joining us from wherever around the world, please uh, let me know that you're here, where you're stopping in from. We're testing out some new things today. We are going live on uh, YouTube, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and Facebook. So if a few of you are seeing this for the first time and are like, what's going on here? This is a, a weekly live stream. Uh, I'm Spencer Michaud, a professional Hellenistic astrologer. And we're going to be talking about Capricorn today. We're going to be talking about Saturn. We're going to be talking about Saturn and Pisces. We'll be answering your questions if you have questions about your own natal chart or about things that are going on in your life or in the sky. We're going to be spending some time together today. So I'm just going to welcome a few friends here first, and uh, we'll get to it. And then we'll, we'll talk about a few offerings that are coming up, and um, we'll get down to business. So my friend Devin is here. Devin Malone, nice to see you, friend. Uh, Devin's joining us, I believe, from the West Coast in Portland. Says, good Venus Day to you all. To all y'all, <laughs> nice to see you, Devin. Uh, thinking about you today, I've, Devin gave me a really nice book recommendation that I'm going to talk about later in the show, so stay tuned for that. Carol from Mass is here. Says, hi and happy bend of the nodes. Nice to see you, Carol. Hope that you're doing well out there in Massachusetts. Nice to see you, my friend. Stephen the Jupiterian says, hello all. Happy Venus Day. Nice to see you, Stephen. I see your faces here on the, um, on the live stream. Uh, this is the first time we've been able to post comments on the live stream, and we're testing out some new things, and it's really exciting, and I'm really glad that you're all here with me today. Juline is here. Look at Juline. Uh, hey, Spencer. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Juline. I hope that you're doing well down there in Arizona and getting ready for the NFL draft for your Arizona Cardinals, and the weather is treating you well. Tarja T says hi from Helsinki, Finland. Finally on time. Nice to see you, Tarja T. We've got a nice faction of folks that joins us from uh, Scandinavia, so it's really nice to see all of you here today. All right, so we've got people that are, we've got people that are stopping in, hanging out. Uh, Isla Sky is here from Chile, Scotland. Nice to see you, friend. I love that we have so many international friends stopping in. So we're just welcoming some friends here. So welcome, friends. And uh, let me know if you have questions. Um, always excited to hear your thoughts about the, the sky weather that we're experiencing. Um, and I will try to post as many of your comments and questions as I can. And we'll, we'll spend, a, you know, maybe an hour or two together today. Just hang out on a Friday afternoon. A couple of announcements before we get to it. Oh, I want to share this first, though. My friend Raven is here. Raven Gray, nice to see you, Raven. Look at your beautiful profile picture there. I love it. Happy New Year from cold but sunny Kansas. Uh, a couple more people stopping in. Tarya is here. Another Tarya from Finland. We've got the two Tarya's from Finland. I just watched Jupiter at the night sky. It's marvelous. Oh, that's nice to be able to connect with the night sky itself and seeing all of those things coming together. I love it. Um, I bet it's really beautiful up there in Finland. Maybe there's less light pollution there, which would be really cool. Okay, a couple things before we dive in here. Thank you so much for joining me here today, friends. This is super exciting. So today, of course, we're doing our Capricorn season Q&A. So if you do have a question, wherever you're joining us from, make sure that you, you put a question in the chat box 
and put in, in all caps question in front of it so I can see your comment and make sure that I know that it's a question and not just a comment or, or a discussion between um, you and others in the chat. So uh, before we dive into that today, I wanted to just show you a couple things before we get into it. Um, we are going to be looking at the 2024 offerings that I have here. Of course, I am a professional astrologer, so you can schedule readings with me. So if you are interested in having your birth chart read, um, I, I'll do a, a little bit of things today, a little teaser today if you want uh, a little bit of um, attention to your chart. But if you want full attention, you want me to prepare all of your different aspects, planets, houses, etc., you can book at spencermichaud.com. I do a number of different types of readings. Mythos reading is one where we go over your personal mythology, where we break down your natal chart in depth with a two-hour reading. We're going over tarot cards, we're going over planetary placements, we're going over all the connections and stories that you may be living through and cycling through throughout your entire life. I have a reading called Kairos reading, where we're looking at the timing. Kairos means the opportune moment, so we're going to be looking at the timing for the next three months for you. Uh, there's a discount package if you want to schedule for the entire year with that transit check-in. And then I have an oracle where if you, if you want to study uh, one particular question, if you have one particular issue that's really popping into your mind, this is a great reading to book for that. And then I have a little Trinity Big Three mini reading, a sun, moon, rising reading. If uh, you don't want to schedule an entire hour, and try to have uh, offerings for every budget. So this is a great one where we can dive into, we can really get into a lot of depth with the Big Three sun, moon, and rising. So check that out. So those are the readings I have for this year. I also do tutoring if you'd like to learn more about Hellenistic astrology. I love teaching. Teaching is my first love. So uh, make sure that you reach out for that. And um, if you want to dive deeper into depth, I'd be happy to set up a curriculum for you. Okay, a couple other things here, friends. I'm having a sale. So Capricorn Season Sale is the Decans of Capricorn webinar where I go into depth about the associations with the 10 degree sections of each each part of Capricorn. So there's, instead of just a 30 degree sign, we, we break it up into three different sections and there's a lot of different esoterica that's associated with that. So I have a three hour webinar that I did on this with tarot card associations, um, myths, uh, diamonds or spirits associated with each decan, the planets themselves, it's really a deep dive and you can get 20% off the decans of Capricorn right now until the end of Capricorn season. So check that out. Um, I also have a beautiful partner who has a magical business where she creates magically elected oils and herb blends and bath salts and soaps and things of that nature. So if you're into the remediation side of things or you're needing a little bit of an extra boost, check out Third Coast Mojo on Etsy. My partner, Tanya Andrews, makes wonderful, wonderful products. And she's having 50% off of her custom oil sale right now, where she is um, basically making you a specific oil for your natal chart. So check that out at Etsy, Third Coast Mojo. It's awesome. She does great work. Uh, she and I are probably going to be teaming up on some more things pretty soon here in the future, so keep your eye on that. And then finally, if you are enjoying the work that you... Uh, that I'm doing today. Uh, there's two th ways you can support the channel. Uh, a couple ways, actually. One is reaching out, scheduling a reading. The next thing you could do is purchase a webinar. Um, there's also a little dollar sign in the chat if you're on YouTube. Uh, that's called a super chat or a super sticker, and that really helps me to uh, support the work that I do here. You can also buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. 
Uh, if you're listening after the fact, that's a great way to support the channel. I really appreciate all of you who have helped support the work that I'm doing here. Okay, that is what I've got for the advertisements here today. So, ask me a question. Let's see if there's any questions that come in today. Looking through the chat here. Uh, Devin says, love the new setup, Spencer. Thank you, Devin. I, uh, I've been working really hard on improving the production values of the show, and hopefully it's paying off today. And I'm, I love being able to, to see all your faces uh, on the little... Usually when I look at the chat on YouTube, it's all these tiny, tiny avatars, but now I can see you on the screen. It's super fun. It feels like we're connecting on an even deeper level. Uh, Mr. Hindsight is here, says greetings from soon to be rainy San Francisco. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, we have been with Dwell. Uh, it says it seems a bit like Capricorn is different than the other Earth signs. Is it? Yes, it is. It is um, oftentimes what we're looking for for the particular signs is its connection to a planetary ruler. So Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn in this guest host relationship where we're trying to connect a planet with a sign. So really you can think of the signs as like a temple or a home for these planetary rulers. And each of the earth signs has a particular different type of ruler associated with it. So Capricorn is associated with Saturn. Uh, Taurus is associated with Venus, which is the house of Venus. And then Virgo is the house of Mercury. So all of the different significations that we could think of with Saturn, with um, responsibility, endurance, balance is actually one of the secret significations of Saturn that we'll talk about today. Restoring right proportion. All of those things can be associated and brought into the Capricorn story. Um, the other thing that is important to recognize about the different types of signs is that each of them has a different mode uh, where they are either a cardinal, fixed, or mutable sign. So the cardinal signs are the initiation signs of a particular season. So Capricorn is the initiation of the winter season. So there is energy of starting things on a material process. Okay, it's starting an earthly, an earthly process. Whereas Taurus is the fixed sign where we're seeing it more related to the, the fixed energy of spring. And then we have Virgo as the mutable earth sign associated with the transition from the end of summer to the beginning of fall. So all of those things are, are, these are all different layers when we're talking about astrology. And so yes, definitely a lot of difference with Capricorn and Taurus and Virgo, the other earth signs. So that's a great question. Uh, let's see, Steven says, Pluto will be moving into my third house on January 20th to 21st, transformation of my environment and mind. Yes, that is a big transit on the horizon with the, the movement of Pluto into a new sign. Pluto moves signs every uh, it ranges, but, but it's a much longer term transit. So between 15 and 20 years. So this is going to be a big shift for all of us. So that's a, that's something to really look at the different topics that Pluto might be trying to help transform and bring things up from the, the depths to help you deal with. Um, <laughs> David says, I need an update on my pick. Oh, uh, that's all right. <coughs> this is a great time to do it with uh, you know Capricorn season here. Jennifer is here, says hello, happy new moon. Hello, Jennifer, nice to see you. Joining us from my stomping grounds of Michigan. Nice to see you, friend. Um, we are, we're recovering from our national championship uh, recently. The University of Michigan football team just won the national championship and 
all hell broke loose in Ann Arbor and, you know, all of the things that people do when they celebrate a victory happened. It's just uh, so hopefully everyone in Ann Arbor is doing okay and you're doing okay, Jennifer. Susanna is here from Finland, my favorite artist. <clears throat> my favorite artist from Finland is stopping in. Nice to see you, Susanna. Right? Yes, Jennifer says from Ann Arbor, Michigan, waiting for the snow. We are we are waiting for a big snowstorm here. It's going to snow and then it's going to get very, very cold. So uh, pr pray for us here in, in the, uh, the northern part of the United States. Okay, Tarya has a question here. Mars is visible now, question mark. How was it for you and how did, did you notice or feel it? Um, Tarya, I think that Mars is actually still uh, a little bit under the beams, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just going to check in here. I'm going to bring the chart up and we'll take a look at it. Uh, let's see here. There we go. So I believe what we're looking for and what Actually, no, you're right. Mars is emerging from under the beams already. So great, good good call there, Tarya. So what we're looking at here, what Tarya is referring to, is the separation between Mars and the Sun. So this is one of the kind of lesser known techniques if you have just been a student of modern astrology. Uh, ancient astrologers would look at uh, what was called moments of phosis. So phosis moments were when a planet uh, had a cer certain type of relationship with the sun. And a moment of phosis could be a planet stationing direct or turning retrograde. And in this case, the moment of phosis, and this is a term that I learned from one of the original translators of Hellenistic texts, Robert Schmidt, and a, um, he had a, a, a group called Project Hindsight. And he talks about planets emerging from under the beams of the sun. This is literally a planet uh, becoming visible once again in the sky. You know, the sun gives off a lot of light. Oftentimes at dawn or dusk, we can either see the planet itself. In this case, Mars would be a little, a, a little red dot. Um, but the, the beams of the sun actually block it off and make it invisible. And there's uh, esoteric significance to that where a lot of the things that we're doing might be behind the scenes. Uh, and when this planet becomes visible, that moment of phosphorus, we often get a reminder of the work that we've been doing behind the scenes. So I guess to answer your question, Tarya, a lot of the work that I've been doing behind the scenes, much of it is becoming visible today. So I've been working a lot on rebranding my channel, Spencer Michelle Astrology, and learning new tools, learning new ways to present my material. I've been working with a new streaming program called StreamYard, where we're able to connect with people not only on YouTube, but on, on X or Twitter and on Facebook, and maybe potentially additionally on Instagram eventually. Um, you're also seeing new, new graphics and new um, branding materials. You saw a new intro. Hopefully that uh, everyone was able to see that. I spent a lot of time thinking about that and editing the little piece and whatnot. Um, and uh, hopefully it will uh, pay dividends um, as far as just improving your uh, the quality of your experience as a community. Um, hopefully it'll help me grow my business and my channel and, and my reach and all of those things. So yeah, that, that's been my um, Mars becoming visible. It's for me as a Leo ascendant, it's happening in my sixth house of, I guess you could call it hard work that happens behind the scenes. So, so in my case, 
I've had a, uh, th this is the, the revelation of that. So for, in, for you in your particular chart, Tario, or anybody who's thinking about this, trying to figure out where Mars is, where the work you've been putting in and how it's becoming visible, um, look at the topic that Capricorn is on the cusp of, and that will help give you some insight into that. So I hope that answers your question, Tario. That's a good one. Let's see, let's see. Okay, let's go back here. KP1231 is here, says, Hi, Spencer, and all glad to finally make a live stream. Excited for my Browns tomorrow in the playoffs. Woo-woo! Yes, it is the playoffs, friends. This is so cool. I, some, some of these tiny avatars, I, have no, I had no idea what some of your pictures would look like, but seeing you on this big screen is so exciting, and seeing your, your vibe and your essence through your profile pictures is really cool. So, yes, go Browns, right? Um, it's super wild card weekend. I'm pretty excited because my my Green Bay Packers. If you if you you know want to know part of the reason that I chose my kind of branding color of dark green, a little bit is because the the Green Bay Packers. Um, some of it is Taurus Moon and Venus associated with the color green, and that being my midheaven. Um, but yeah, the uh, excited for the playoffs to start. My my Packers have been making a little mini run at the end here. Jordan Love uh, is a, their quarterback, and he's been pretty good over the last few years. We or a few weeks, excuse me. Seems like we might have found another one, which is exciting for Packers fans and probably frustrating for other fans of other franchises who are having difficulty finding quarterbacks. But Browns have been really great with a with a um, an old timer, Joe Flacco, coming in and really doing some great work there. So excited to see how that turns out for you. Browns are a cool franchise, a really classic franchise like the Packers. So I, I wish them well. Okay, Steven says, I felt this. It's, sometimes I will get some of the comments on a delay. So if we're referring to things that I talked about a few uh, either seconds or minutes ago, just know that that's part of the process here. Steven says, yes, I felt this. Been much more precise hitting targets. Mars is transiting my second house. So with Mars making that, revelation, that re revealing um, emergence, you might be seeing something coming with your with your budget, with the way that you support yourself, what you put into your body, all of the work that you've been doing behind the scenes could start paying dividends here. Okay, uh, Benel Dell, Benel, I'm trying to see how to pronounce this, Bin Lu Dell, um, says, thank you, my Capricorn and Virgo seem to really not mesh a lot. I, I notified it by my little airy sun and moon talking about learning to make swords. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, that's part of the lessons of learning how to work with the astrological chart that we were born with is just learning how to have those conversations between the different planetary influences in our chart. The best advice I can give you friend is that, um, you are not necessarily your chart. Uh, those to, to me, those are sets of circumstances and influences that we can uh, choose to incorporate into our life and to listen to and to follow. Sometimes we follow those patterns through our ananke or our in ignorance. But once we come aware of some of those patterns and tendencies, we can use our pronoia or foresight to be able to, to work on different outcomes. And this is part of the thing that Saturn and Pisces has been helping us with recently is how do we shift those narratives and stories? And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later today. So having Capricorn and Virgo placements, you know, the desire to build, the desire to build material security versus the, the uh, focus on the, the, the tiny details 
and the ability to sift out that which should be passed on as a legacy and that which needs to be returned back to the earth can be an important conversation between Capricorn and Virgo placements. And you know, with Aries Sun, in traditional astrology, that's a really nice placement for the sun. It's said to be in its exaltation. So the ability to figure out who you are as an individual is supported by having the sun in that place where if we have the sun in a more difficult place, like somewhere like potentially like Libra or Aquarius, it may be more of an uphill battle to find that individual unique expression. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't. It just means that circumstances may make it feel like we're swimming a little bit upstream, whereas with the sun placed in Aries, the journey may be a little bit smoother. So there's always, there's always ways to utilize uh, good dignity in our charts, but also to overcome negative dignity, in my opinion, as well. Raven has a question here. Hold on. We're going to welcome Dawn. Says, hi, everybody. A uh, little late, but happy to be here. Nice to see you, Dawn. And I'm assuming that might be your little little daughter, potentially. But uh, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just look really young. Uh, Raven has a question. Question. I just re recently realized that Pluto moving into Aquarius will almost immediately square my ascendant. Do you have any, any interpretations of this transit? Okay, Raven, let's pull up the chart once again, and we will take a look at this and see if we can break it down for you. So, Raven, we are, I believe Raven is a Taurus rising, um, if, if I remember this correctly, Raven. Um, let's see. So, what we are referring to here is Pluto's movement into the 10th house and squaring the ascendant, okay? Making a, a challenging aspect to the ascendant. Let's get rid of that here. So when we have squares, uh, I, I think of squares as the rubber meeting the road, the tension, the tension that makes it, uh, makes us uncomfortable that can lead to us making important changes in our life. So uh, as we are talking about this, the actual ascendant, I've got the clock on here, is going over Taurus. And what I've learned as far as aspect theory goes, and I learned this through some of my studies with, with nightlight astrology, is that the square has the nature of Mars. So Mars is the thing that drives us, it pushes us through, sometimes through conflict. Okay, so this is something where, where you might be experiencing more conflict between your public expression, the 10th house, the, the praxis or the actions you take out publicly in the, in the world, in society, and your sense of self, your sense of comfort within your own body, within your own character, within your own, with your, within your own personhood. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be a chronic bad feeling or a bad condition. It just means that the way that you are presenting yourself out into the world is due for a renovation. To me, we're still, we're still trying to understand what Pluto really does, in my opinion, as it has, you know, in, in the terms of the astrological uh, timeline, it is a, a fairly recent discovery, 1930, I believe, was when it was discovered. So we're still trying to get wrap our head around exactly what those outer planets do for people personally. 
My, my opinion on what that planet might do for you in an angular house, the 10th house, one where we might feel it very directly, is that you have an important role to play in society in the coming of a new, the formation of a new type of social uh, arrangement. Um, I feel like those of us who have fixed rising signs, Taurus, Leo, uh, Scorpio, and Aquarius, with Pluto moving on to one of our angles, have really important roles to play in the transition from a society that may be based more on material relationships and then one that might be more based on informational or, or air-like relationships. So to me, Pluto moving into Aquarius for the collective is going to put a large focus on redistribution of resources, of being able to uh, help us to understand what the true meaning of equality really is. To me, Aquarius is a, is a sign that doesn't care who or, or what your status is. It treats everybody uh, equally on the same, uh, you know, and on some level. I'm thinking about, let me just bring a football metaphor in for you, if you forgive me for that. The new quarterback for the Packers is Jordan, Jordan Love. He has the South Node in Aquarius. And so he's bringing with him some knowledge about the equality of everyone. And I also possess the, the South Node in, in, or it possesses me, I guess would be more appropriate, in Aquarius. And in Jordan Love's ascent, to his, uh, I don't know what you could call it, his spotlight moment, his Leo North Node moment. He has done it by passing to a plethora of different wide receivers on his team. Like, so he does not discriminate between rookie, veteran, contract. He's just spreading around the wealth, so to speak, the ball. Um, and he, 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 he's found a lot of success doing that, Where, whereas his predecessor, Aaron Rodgers, had a few favorites, in particular a guy named Devontae Adams, who was extraordinarily talented. But Aaron Rodgers would kind of choose to pass him the ball all the time. And that sort of led to some, some challenging moments in his career where if he had been had a bigger viewpoint, if he had more vision, he would have been able to see that other people were open or more or deserving of those passes. So if we take that metaphor and we apply it to society, we see that, that maybe there are people that have been in the shadows, that have been traditionally repressed or oppressed or on the fringes of society that are going to need their voice to be elevated to the same level as some of the other power players within our life and in our communities. Now, just back to your question specifically, Raven, I think that you as a 10th house Aquarius person may have a specific role to play publicly in helping to usher that new era in, right? Helping to help people understand that everyone is, that no one is greater or less than another. This is a story I wanted to talk about with this beautiful book that my friend Devin in the chat led me to, well, I'll talk about this later. It's called Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. We'll talk about it in a second. But I'm gonna, I'll read a quote from that that talks about the, the, the Australian indigenous story of the emu who mistakenly elevated one person over another. And I think that uh, 
as far as it's square to your ascendant, as you go through and become more visible or you usher in equality in your communities, one of the challenges, and I think squares between Aquarius and Taurus, is that Taurus is an earthy consciousness. It is a Venus-ruled sign where we are trying to create harmony and peace, especially in, in an internal state. And when we're having to go and, and circulate like air with all, all these different types of folks and all these different um, situations, um, that can be a little bit exhausting, I think, sometimes for Taurus-type people. I'm going to be right there with you, Raven. Pluto's moving into my seventh house, and it's going to be squaring my Taurus midheaven and my Taurus moon. So I think that I think one of the things I've been thinking about is how do we open up as Taurus-type people? How do we allow more viewpoints? Uh, how do we become more objective rather than just relying on our own gut instinct, which is very important to a Taurus type person, our own intuition that we don't want to lose that, but we want to be able to appreciate different point, points of view as well. So I think that that's going to be how uh, some of the tension that you might feel between your own inner wisdom and your own ability to create peace within your sense of self and your relationship with society at large. So I hope that's helpful for you there, Raven. Okay, let me check in here. All right, let's go back to back to it. I'm just going through the chat here. I'm, and I'm not going to be able to get every single comment on the screen today. Um, so if I miss one of yours, it's, it's nothing personal. We're just kind of going through and looking for questions and things of that nature. So Carol says, question, Mars as the fourth house ruler. Can you speak about that? I can, Carol. Uh, I have Mars as my fourth house ruler, so I do have some experience with this uh, type of, you know, thing. I'll, I'll now bring it up to the, the stage again here. So let's do this. I'm just going to show you. I'm just going to bring my own chart up just for a second. I do share my chart, and this will just give you an idea of what a fourth house ruler might might entail. Okay. So you can see what, what Carol is referring to is the guest host relationship that we've been talking about. So in this case, since I use whole sign houses, uh, the entire fourth house is Scorpio. And in traditional astrology, Scorpio is ruled by the planet or is the the temple of the planet Mars. Okay. I know we have some some modern practices that utilize Pluto as a secondary ruler. That's not something that I practice with traditional astrology. I do incorporate some parts of modern astrology in, but the guest host relationship with the seven traditional planets to me really, really works and fits in a very organized fashion that I've, I've, I really love the, the, the symmetry with all of it. So what we're looking at here is what are we doing when we're seeing Mars, the planet that is hosting the fourth house? Okay, so whenever you have a specific place in your 
chart. And place is another name for house. You are looking to its ruler to provide resources from the sign and topic that it is, is showing you in the chart. So in this case, my fourth house is Scorpio. Uh, Carol, I'm assuming that your fourth house is, is Mars ruled as well. Uh, one of the things I can say from experience with a fourth house Mars ruler is that the, the home environment in some regards felt, made you feel like you had to defend yourself or that there, were, there could be conflicts. Um, it could have been a very competitive situation depending on if it's Scorpio or Aries potentially. Uh, if it's Aries on the fourth house cusp, like it could be something where you had to make your own way within your family, or there was a lot of like enthusiastic individu individuation energy. I have found with Scorpio on the fourth house cusp that uh, that tends to lead to a lot of secrets in the within the family. Um, I experienced a lot of change in my early life where I had to accommodate a new environment um, fairly regularly. So there is something where I, you know, my parents were divorced when I was very, very young, and then they got remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced between the two of them. I believe I, I had like three step step dads and like uh, th three or four step dads and, and three step moms. So if you think about that, it's all, it's all about like feeling this discomfort within the home potentially. Um, and as an adult, it's made me a little bit cautious about my private life and about my home situation. Um, with Scorpio there, there might be a, a desire to, to hide away from the world, to have a place where you can just feel like you can be yourself without having to, to change for anyone. It could also be a, a, a situation where you're having to rebuild something after a destructive tendency, right? In this case, with Mars in, in my chart, just one example, uh, Mars is in Virgo 3, which is the third deck in a Virgo, which is associated with leaving a legacy. So there could be something coming, and maybe this is something that's important to me, is my family is a family, I think, that it, parts of my ancestry left different legacies. And I've had to decide and choose which of those types of legacies I want to follow in the footsteps of. On one side of the family, I had, I had people uh, who were, I guess th the only word you could say is they were capitalists who, who started their own company and then ran it into the ground and had all sorts of ethical breaches and challenges around that. And on the other side of the family, I had uh, both Mennonite deacons, like some of the earliest people in this country that could uh, read and write in English and, or German, I guess, or Swiss, and um, eventually had university professors in my family who, my great-grandfather was a, uh, a professor at the University of Purdue, and he taught conservation and biology and genetics and all of those things, and eventually he received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Al Gore at the White House for for being able to steward the, the national and state parks. He was, he would, he taught conservation in the state parks of Indiana for a long time. And he taught those concepts in the university of Purdue back before that was, uh, something that people were doing. 
Um, so that's a legacy that, that I try to live up to. So, so for me, with you, and to answer your question, I want you to look at where Mars is in your chart. In my case, it's about what legacy can I leave and how can I experience the, the, the changes and the death and rebirth of a family situation over time and which path do I want to choose. But for you, it's, it will be specific to where your Mars is in your chart. I guess just to, to sum it up, Mars can represent sometimes a violent home life in the beginning of your life, uh, but also one where you can experience either an individuation or a death and rebirth of consciousness. I hope that is helpful for you, friend. Okay. Let's go back to this. Uh, Laura Elizabeth is here. Nice to see you. Waiting for a big storm here in Vancouver, Washington. Having to replace a 25-year-old heat pump with Mars transiting my second house. Good timing with the new moon, I hope. Wow. I hope that that works out for you. <laughs> like that's, Yeah, Mars. The other thing I'll say about Mars, friends, is that Mars traditionally was said to be a planet of related to the, the, the moon sect, okay, the sect of the moon which is the team of planets that had political power. So Mars was someone who brought misfortune that was not necessarily your fault. So a lot of times with when we have Mars in a particular place, something what we, what we could conceive of as negative could happen to us. And it might not be through anything that we did. It might just be through misfortune. And then we have to utilize our what we consider our martial energies to take care of it. We have to kind of step up to the plate. It's the friction that will help us move forward. So in this case, uh, Laura is, is um, experiencing, you know, the need to change something in her environment potentially that will help her to, to stay warm. So I hope that works out for you, my friend. Uh, Don says, this is my daughter. I can't get my photo to change for some reason. <laughs> That's funny, Don. Uh, Raven says, correct. Good. Okay. Good. I'm glad we got something right here. Uh, Robin Nadira is here. Says, Hi, Spencer. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here, Robin. Hope that you're doing well, my friend, and everything's going well your way. Stephen says, Yes, NASA. Pluto, Pluto is still a planet. Yes, that's right. There was some controversy in the past years about uh, Pluto being demoted to a dwarf planet. But as astrologers, we, we know that it probably does have some, some effect on things for sure. Uh, Ani is here, says, hello, Spencer and friends. I can't stay long, have to catch the replay. Just wanted to say hi real quick. Nice to see you, Ani, and welcome, friend, and hope that you're doing well. Susanna also has the uh, the North Node in Aquarius. So that might be something that's increasing in Susanna's chart as we were talking about the nodal access between Leo and Aquarius. And myself and Jordan Love both have the North Node in Leo and the South Node in Aquarius. So maybe there is something that is a little bit more natural about Aquarius tendencies. Uh, you can see this playing out here, and it's a balance between the two. So for example, you know, you see my, my face on the screen. That is a, a Leo spotlight. But what I'm doing with that spotlight is, is putting your comments on the screen, helping to include everyone in an egalitarian fashion. So hopefully to be of service. So there's there's a ways to balance these things out. Where where Susanna, from what I know about you, friend, you have an extraordinary an extraordinary amount of creativity. You are comfortable shining your light as a musician and as an artist, and you can also bring that into the collective as well and learn about the 
the beauty of not only your own personal creativity, but of other people in your life as well, and be able to uplift them through, not only through your example, but through allowing space in, in life for them to, to uh, shine their light as well. And I've seen this play out in your uh, story with just, I mean, I, I'm just making some assumptions here, but seeing your, your beautiful daughter and her singing and, and letting her have the spotlight. And she's, she's an incredible singer. You both are great singers too. So um, all sorts of ways to be out in the world. Steven says, Mercury and Aquarius here, North Node conjunct the Sun and Pisces. Okay, we've got more Aquarius people coming in the chat. Mr. Hindsight says, my quote, one who thinks they are superior to another becomes the inferior one. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about with this uh, Sand Talk book is really the, the superior and inferior uh, dichotomy is an illusion. And if you're patient, I'll get to a story with it that will uh, demonstrate that with indigenous sparring techniques, which I thought was really interesting. I'm only two chapters into this book, but I really like it. I really like when people give me a book recommendation, and I usually take that, that very seriously. So uh, if you've got books that you want me to read that you think would be enlightening that are worth sharing, if I like something, I'm going to talk about it and share it. Uh, with the world. <laughs> so hopefully I'll amplify its signal. Raven says, that was great. Thank you. It really helps me connect some dots with things going on in my life. Great, Raven. I'm excited about that. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you here in the chat. Hope that life's treating you well. Susanna says, question, how and when did you get into astrology? Did you study modern astrology first or was it Hellenistic all the way? That is a great question, Susanna. Well, um, I guess it's, there's a two, two-folded answer to it. Uh, I first discovered astrology around 1998 or 1999. Um, I, I may have always been kind of aware of it, but when I went to, off to college, I had a girlfriend, first one, like I think a first serious girlfriend that introduced me to the book Love Signs by Linda Goodman, which is a modern astrology book. And then I had another, and this was a Piscean girlfriend. She also at the, at the time introduced me to Jeff Buckley and his beautiful album, Grace. There's all sorts, there's a confluence of, of important uh, omens that came around that period of time. And I had another Piscean friend who gave me the book, the only astrology book you'll ever need. I'm looking at it in the shelf over there, the tattered purple pages of it. Uh, which is not true, by the way. Many, 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 many bookshelves of books later. Um, so you can you can experience astrology in a lot of different ways. So I guess what the the short answer is that I did study modern astrology first. Uh, I had a uh, an enthusiastic amateur um, relationship with it. I found that that was studying symbolic languages and studying uh, the way that the the underlying uh, mycelium of the universe worked was something that I could never get tired of. And it has really led me to this work, like even more so than music. And I, and I had an exhaustive uh, ability to, to practice and work on music, but the astrology always get, got me down these, these rabbit holes. So I, I really got into the work of an astrologer named Jan Spiller, who had a book on the nodes of the moon. And I, I found that really 
um, useful. I would talk to anybody and everybody about their astrological chart. I would ask strangers their birth time at the grocery store in line at the grocery store. It was very difficult for me to have a, a, a small talk conversation with people at a party, for example. So I would always start guiding the conversation towards uh, topics of like astrology. So the transition to traditional astrology happened somewhere around 2017. My beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, uh, she bought me a book called Astrology and the Authentic Self by Demetra George. And it was actually a book that I had taken a picture of at our, meta our local metaphysical bookstore six months earlier. So it was, there's some eclipse that was happening in there. And she bought it for me. She didn't know that I'd taken a picture of the book. It was very, it was a, 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 an act of synchronicity. And that really opened my eyes to the possibilities of the traditional astrology system. And from there, I started learning about traditional astrology. I discovered the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan, um, really started diving into that, into the work of Demetra George and Austin Kopic. I discovered my, my chosen uh, astrology teacher, Adam Ellenbos of Nightlight Astrology from that podcast and i really liked his vibe and I, I got a full ride scholarship to the united astrology conference in chicago in 2018 and got to meet a lot of these wonderful luminaries i guess you could say and from there i, st I just started studying with nightlight and and um i've been so i guess i've been studying traditional astrology since 2017 but i've been studying the astrological concepts since about 1998 or 1999. so i i didn't start from scratch is what i will say with traditional astrology i, I had a, a a nice foundation of an enthusiastic amateur and i think through my studies with adam and through the the nightlight program and just through books through studying Demetra george's work austin Kopic's work chris brennan's work Robert Schmidt and Project Hindsight, all of those things I consider my my master's degree or my I don't know if I'm at PhD level, but I think I'm pretty getting pretty close to master's degree level in astrology, um, enough where I feel comfortable doing it as my full time job. So I hope that that's helpful for you. Uh, I I do incorporate some modern techniques still into my chart reading, but I do really appreciate the the way that the Hellenistic system relates to itself, the guest host relationship between planets and houses. I like using whole sign houses. I, I do use quadrant base houses for some techniques, for timing techniques and things of that nature. I use quadrant base system for horary questions, uh, regimentanus houses. But I think that overall, it has really opened my eyes and I found it to be uh, it's allowed me a level of accuracy that I didn't experience when I first was just the enthusiastic amateur studying modern astrology. So there's a long-winded answer, but there you go. Rachel Fletcher is here. Hello from Roanoke, Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you. I love your purple hair. This, this picture here looking good. It says the new moon was conjunct my natal moon and I received a plethora of inspirations on how to better incorporate dream work into daily and magical work. Oh, nice. Nice. So I, I have a story to tell about dream work today. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can get through some comments first and then I'll come back to that. I want to talk a little bit today about Saturn and Pisces and my experience with the beaver recently, uh, Tanya and I had a, a run-in with a, with a beaver 
and I wanted to talk about that. Um, let's see. Mr. Hindsight says, how do we change our photo? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have time to go into all that, but if you go into settings in your YouTube uh, account, you can change your avatar um, and just type in how to change my photo in YouTube and it should walk you through the steps, friend. Um, so this is a conversation between each other. Jennifer says, have South Node in Aquarius, conjunct Saturn, North Node in Leo. Oh, nice. Okay, so you've got some things activating that axis as well. Uh, let's see. That's interesting. Like, so Saturn on the, on the South Node, sometimes uh, the way that I've learned it is sometimes it can reduce some of the negative qualities of the malefics, like the some of the chronic challenges of, of Saturn or the, the acute challenges of Mars. So, so think about that. If you have a, a, a benefic on the North Node, that can really increase the good fortune associated with it, even some, to the point where you can have too much of a good thing. Um, but you can decrease negative qualities when you have a malefic on the South Node. So that's cool. Susanna says, thank you. Thank you, Susanna. I always love seeing your face here in the chat and hope things are going well with you. Uh, Steven says, in the dark ages of the physical newspaper horoscope section, it's how I got into astrology, learned it was a based, it was based on sun sign astrology and later learned my big three. I mean, that's oftentimes how a lot of us get into it, right? Just with sun sign astrology, um, that Linda Goodman book really kind of, there was some scarily accurate things uh, in the, in the generalization kind of way of looking at astrology that made me curious to, to, to dive deeper into it. But there's nothing wrong with where, whatever your entry point is. I think that just thinking symbolically and trying to connect with, I don't know if you'd call it a higher power or connect with an organization of symbols within your life and seeing beneath the surface of your life, that alone is an important exercise. So no matter what your entry point is, what the system that you choose to allow the universe to communicate to you through, the key is opening up and utilizing whatever system it is consistently, in my opinion, because I believe, uh, like Jeffrey Cornelius taught us in the moment of astrology, that astrology is oracular. It is a system of, of omens that speak to us. It is not necessarily even just completely rooted in time and space, which is, which is a really kind of, uh, I don't know, almost a revolutionary way of thinking about astrology. It's, it's, it's unorthodox. But check that book out if you haven't already. Devin says, I love that sand talk is speaking to you while we're traveling through a cardinal earth sign like Capricorn. It really resonates with the spirits of the earth realm to me. That can seem so fixed. Yes. You know, and, and, and Devin, I'm, I'm just in the two, first two chapters, but I really love books like this where we are trying to connect with the wisdom of an ensouled world. I guess that's one of the things that I think about when I read books like Sophie Strand's The Flowering Wand, uh, this book, Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta, uh, where we don't necessarily have to think about living matter versus dead matter, right? Where we, where we feel like everything has an essence, everything has a soul, that there is a living cosmos rather than just a uh, uh, I don't know, one that is disconnected from life force. So one of the things that was resonating with me here is the, the consciousness of a rock. Um, also that, that indigenous Australians, you know, think that 
when we started separating out like in like Descartes basically started yeah, separating out living from dead matter and uninsoling the cosmos, it set science back even uh, many centuries as well because it it made it so that we did not understand that the space between the things that we could see actually had uh, life actually was able was the was the substance that helped create life like dark matter and etc like the uh, the consciousness that we see with um, quantum physics okay and, and the waves of possibility of atoms popping in and out of existence so I like being able to reconnect with that type of um, that type of thinking so anything like that maybe this will be a book we can do as a book club together I think that would be really fun I, well I'll have to read the rest of the book and kind of vet it but it, it, so far so good okay another question here my natal Mars is between south node and Neptune in the fourth and Libra I'm at the moment I'm at the moment making big decisions in my work stellium in Aquarius uh, with Pluto there what do you see action okay Taria my natal Mars is between south node and Neptune in the fourth Taria would you do me a favor do you do you would you like me to pull your chart up and then I can see uh, I can see exactly what I'm looking at if you would if you'd be open to that um, I will pull your chart up and I can make a better assessment I think I like being able to see the details in the chart so if you uh, if you can put that in the chat I'll I'll, I'll um, come back to your question how's that sound Rachel says the new moon was conjunct my natal moon as well oh Susanna so you you're having a interesting new start right with your Capricorn rising maybe there's something on the horizon that is that is coming for you that could be really nice uh, says they been Ben how do I say this Ben Ben Lou Dell uh, says thank you Spencer that was awesome I have to remember I appreciate you well I appreciate you friend thanks for stopping by today um yeah do me a favor friends if you are enjoying the work that I'm doing here uh, please hit that like button subscribe to the channel if you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing you can buy a super chat or a super sticker or you can buy me coffee at buymecoffee.com uh, that is a great way to uh, to support the channel and support the show okay let's go back to it here um Tarya says how do I put my chart here Tarya just do me a favor just put your birth place and time and date in the in the chat and I'll plug it into my program here and bring your chart up on the screen mr. hindsight says, uh, says a tiny universe by joy usher Hellenistic Ooh, great book that's a great suggestion mr. hindsight I have a tiny universe and a tiny universe companion really love that work and I use a lot of um, joy's ideas as reference material for my Deccans webinars so um, love 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 her work so and she's a, an Australian I believe as well so very cool Mr. Hindsight says, I just got Australia for the Third Act of Life by Elizabeth Spring. She discusses ages of 41, 43, 51, 55, 59. Oh my God, all these numbers <laughs> by aspects that occur at those times. That's cool. Uh, that seems like a good book, right? Um, I have one, a book that says, this astrology book that says midlife is not a crisis. And maybe this would be a great addition to that. So uh, yeah, I'll write, I'm going to write this down here astrology for the third act of life 
third act of life and Elizabeth I like this spring I think this is really good when when whenever someone suggests a book to you I mean trust your intuition but I think that it's a it, it's an important message and I always pay attention to those messages and it is nice to be able to, to have more focus and attention paid to uh, some of the later stages of life and helping to navigate those for sure. All right, so Tarya T says, well, I'm going to punch this in for you, friend. And Tarya, do you have a time, a birth time that you could throw in there too? So Tarya T is two. 13 and in, in in Europe you switch things around so if you tell me your birth time I can get it in there Helsinki Finland I feel like uh, dear Abby today it's like call-in show it's fun oops so I'm just waiting for or Tarya to put noon. Okay, there we go. Okay, Tarya T. Let's pull it up and see what we've got. Okay, so this is Tarya T's chart. February 13th, 1950, in Helsinki, Finland, uh, 12 noon, and um, our question, let's go back to your question. My natal Mars is between South Node and Neptune. Okay, now I'm seeing that. I can see this in real time. In the fourth in Libra. I'm at the moment making big, big decisions in my work. Stellium with Pluto and Aquarius. What do you see? Action. Okay. So I'm going to go back to your time here. So we can see your full chart. Okay, Tarya. First of all, one thing that I'm noticing that might be interesting is in whole sign houses, that Mars, Neptune, South Node uh, stack up is actually in the fifth house. So potentially this could give you a different perspective on that particular arrangement. Um, in this case, it would be in the house associated with legacy, with children, with how you pursue pleasure, and entertainment um, it is the ruler Mars in this case is the ruler of your 11th house and of the let's see where are we are of the sixth house so it is providing resources for your house associated with groups that you share a belief system with okay let's see oh cancer rising Hold on a second. Let's hold it. Let's. All right, Tarya. We Mercury is trying to get us today. I don't want to give you a whole reading and have your rising sign be wrong. So, so it's not twelve noon. It's twelve midnight. Is that correct? Um. So Tarya, we have a little bit of confusion in the chat here, because noon in Helsinki, Finland, according to my program, gives you a Gemini rising. So uh, 
I wonder if you've been under the the assumption that you were a Cancer rising for this entire period of time, but actually maybe a Gemini rising. Uh, because I'm punching 12 noon into Helsinki, Finland, and I'm getting Gemini rising, friend. So uh, maybe, maybe I don't know if that's a if that's a revelation today, uh, or if there's the birth time is incorrect. Um, I have 12, 12 p.m. here. Uh, let's see. Maybe there's something with the program that is different. Let's just take a look again. 12 noon, which is 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Yep, that's, I'm, that's what I'm calculating. Uh, let's see. Maybe let's... I'll try something else here. Maybe it's because I don't think Helsinki is Eastern Standard Time. And I'm not sure why the program is doing that. I think that's probably our problem here. Okay. There it is. We got it. We figured it out. Sorry, Tarya. I apologize for that. We had something going on with the program and the way it was calculating your rising sign. Yeah, there was a time zone thing here. So now we have the right chart. So not as big of a, a of an aha you know, moment there, but this is what happens when we're doing this in real time. Okay, so you're right, Tarya. I, I, I didn't mean to question. You know your chart. I just sometimes when we type things in and we see what comes up and... Uh, but we figured it out, so I'm glad that we were able to. Okay, so Tarya, you do have this this Mars-Neptune south node stack up in your whole sign fourth house with a Cancer rising. Mars, in this case, is hosting the tenth house of your public persona, the way that you present yourself out into the world, the actions you take out into the world. It is also hosting your fifth house of children, of entertainment, the way you seek pleasure, all of those things. Now, one, a couple things that I've noticed right away in this chart. Mars is, is retrograde, conjoining the south node, and on a fixed star called Vindemiatrix. Vindemiatrix is a fixed star that is associated with um, Dionysus and a youth called Ampelos. And, and basically, Ampelos was Dionysus's consort. Like, it was someone that Dionysus was in love with. And this Ampelos was climbing a tall grapevine, fell from the grape, grapevine, and died. So there are some associations with this fixed star of losing a mate, losing a partner, losing someone important in your life. Uh, they called that fixed star in, in like horary the, the widow maker. So I'm curious, uh, Tarya, if you have experienced any loss uh, associated with like uh, a partner or if like your mother or your father lost a partner or if somebody like something like that happened in your life uh, where it could have had a really big effect on your sense of home and family um, oftentimes the story will play out in that regard the other thing that I can say about that Deccan of Libra is that is it's associated with the three of swords and there is a diamond or spirit in that decan called uh oh geez what's it called it is called horkos um and that is a a spirit that is associated with oaths and contracts and 
when we have Mars in that deck, and in this case, this is Mars in a day chart, which is a challenging, a challenging place for it. Okay, it's a challenging place to have Mars in a day chart, uh, angular, in exile, in uh, retrograde motion. Um, this could be something where there could have been a, a broken agreement, a broken uh, marriage, a broken vow. Uh, you know, in ancient times, oaths were verbal contracts. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be a, a legally binding thing that was broken. It could have been like just someone went back on their word, and that could be very painful. You may also experience this in association with your job and with your career. There may be some times where you had a contract to do some work, and uh, it could be taken back, or you could experience a loss re related to that. It could also be providing resources for your fifth house, whether you could experience loss in relationship to children or something of that nature as well. Now, like I was saying though, previously, having the south node here, in this case is actually, to me, good news for the, to, in a, as a mitigating factor to reduce some of the more challenging aspects of having Mars in its exile, in a night chart, and being retrograde. That doesn't mean it's going to spare you all of its challenges. It just means that it might eventually, over time, reduce some of those challenges within your life. Okay? So this, to me, this is a, a placement where there may have been some confusion when you were younger, especially due to those broken agreements, and you may have to reduce your dependence on family relationships that you thought were solid, but eventually have proven to be in unstable, right? Because Mars in its exile, it just acts a little bit more erratically than if Mars was in its exaltation like Mars is now. Mars in Saturn's sign and in Capricorn is more, a much more consistent energetic presence, where, whereas it can be a little bit erratic in Libra. I've had other clients who've experienced a lot of pain with broken contracts and agreements with Mars in the second decade of Libra. So to me, this is something that's showing you that if you were to put, if you were to increase involvement potentially with your own viewpoint, with your own sense of self, your own uh, understanding of what is right for you, and, and especially when it comes to doing more things out in your public sphere, rather than relying on the, on the domestic sphere, that can lead to material increase in your life, right? Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we, I, I don't follow the evolutionary astrology um, mindset of that you have to move towards your north node in this lifetime. My opinion is that it is a, a balance point. Like it is, it would be fortuitous for you to increase your individual, individual uh, so personal sovereignty in this lifetime. But you want to be balanced about it. If you only uh, trust your own gut and intuition and you don't take other people's viewpoints into account, that can lead to difficult situations as well. You know, in the uh, in Jyotisha or the the Eastern uh, Indian philosophy, the North Node was a hungry dragon who had a severed head who tried to consume the elixir of immortality, and it could never be satisfied. 
So we have to be careful of pursuing our North Node too, too much because that can lead to the path of just always feeling hungry for more. Um, so I hope that's helpful for you. And as far as Pluto moving into the, the, um, the stellium here, let's take a look at that. Let's just make it blue. You know, this is going to change and revolutionize the way that you share resources with other people, the way that you support people, the way that you are supported. Um, there could be something that happens with a legacy after a completion, like like a death. Uh, eighth house shows us the, the through derived houses. It is the second from the seventh, which which shows us the money of a partner or the money of an enemy even. So it, oftentimes seventh house also is associated with endings, the setting sun. So the eighth house through a concept called angular triads shows us what happens after a completion, after the sun is set, after a death. So you may have to see some kind of corruption. Like Pluto, I think, reveals to us like, like uh, something bubbling up from the sewer to be dealt with. Like it's, it's the clogged toilet that you need to take a plunger to. So there could be something that has fallen into corruption through neglect with eighth house matters like inheritances, like sharing money with a partner that will have to be changed over a long period of time. For, all, for those of you who are getting nervous about Pluto moving into a new house and what is that going to bring, and it's a very, very long-term transit. These changes are going to unfold over literally two decades. So just take your time with it. Start becoming aware of what the challenges are. And if you can just live daily into the answer, I think that you can you can have the, the endurance necessary to work through it um, intact. Okay, Tarya, hope that was helpful for you. Tarya says, yes, I've lost important people in my life. We're referring to that Mars on Vindemiatrix in Libra for sure. Okay, let's go back to it. So what I'm gonna do here, I've got another question that we'll get to in a second here. I am just going to, let's take a stretch break here. So stretch break, let's see if we can add some, some background music to our stretch break here today. Nah, maybe not. Let's <laughs> go overtax our thing. So if you uh, are hanging out with me, you know that I, I, I think it's important to keep our bodies moving, right? And oftentimes we can get into these static positions and uh, when we do this work, we need to make sure that we're stretching out and that we're moving our hips a little bit, okay? And that we are making sure that we have blood flow everywhere. Super important. We live a lot, uh, m many of us live much more sedentary lives than we, we would hope due to the nature of our work, myself included. I love doing this work, connecting with all of you across the world, but it does keep me st in a static position at a computer. And by stretching out, it's very helpful. So do me a huge favor, friends. Uh, please like and subscribe. Smash that like button. There you go. If you are enjoying the work that I'm doing, you can sign up for a reading. Uh, I have 
all sorts of offerings at spencermichaud.com. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here today, you can buy a super chat or a super sticker through the little dollar sign in the chat in YouTube, or you can buy me a coffee at buymecoffee.com. You can also purchase a super thanks after the fact with a little heart, which is kind of cool. We're doing a little Q&A today. Ask me a question. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Spencer Michaud. So, I'm going to come back to our chat here after our little stretch break. Khadija's here today. Nice to see you, Khadija, creating harmony. What is your perspective on Pluto in the sixth? That's going to be my new 20-year reality soon, and I am a bit nervous. Um... Okay, I'm going to get to that in a second, but Tarya says, thank you, it's helpful, good. I'm glad that we were able to un unpack some of that for you, Tarya. What is your perspective on Pluto in the sixth house? Uh, Khadija, would you like me to, to do the same treatment that I did for, for Tarya here? Would you like me to pull your chart up? I can, if, it, if that would be helpful. Then I can see some of the other things that that might entail for you. I guess on the in, in the general terms, what I can say is that the sixth house is related to the things that we need to do before a completion. So if we talked about the eighth house as all the things that happen after a death, after a completion of some sort, after a celebration, the sixth house is everything that is pulling us away from completing things or all of the, the the grinded out hard work that we have to do before we get to something that is an ending. All right, Khadija is putting in her info here, which is good. And then we, I will pull that chart up and I'm gonna be able to be much more specific. Creating Harmony. I don't know how to spell your name, friend, but, oh, there it is, you can put it in the chat. Let's just, let's do it then, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, Devin says, Spencer, maybe you should dedicate, uh, oops, maybe you should dedicate a Pluto through the houses video. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think that that should be on the horizon for sure. So we're going to put Khadija's information in here. This is 8-8. Whoops. What's happening here? I don't know how that happened. That's weird. Okay. 8 1994 at 9 38 a.m. in Homa, Homa, Louisiana. That's cool. Let's see, I have not been to Louisiana, but I'm curious. So, Khadija, I have you as a Libra rising. Is that correct? Does this look like your chart here? 29 degrees, Libra rising. Yeah, Khadija says, I like the chats on the screen. It's so cool. I do too, Khadija. I am excited about these new tools that I've been working through. I feel like I'm a big fan of role-playing games, and I feel like I got a new set of armor or swords or tools or shields, and I'm, I'm experienced. I've got some new experience points with it. And it's helping me to level up. I feel like we've leveled up the experience here a little bit, which is super fun, especially for this 
Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars in Virgo. Leveling up is one of my favorite things. Um, okay. Uh, man, I don't know what's going on with the... Let's see. We're get, we're having some time zone issues with, uh, with the charts here today for some reason. I'm, I apologize for that, friends. The, the Astro Gold program is bringing up some weird... It's not... Uh, allowing the charts to calculate correctly. How about that? Virgo rising? Is that right? There we go. 26 degrees Virgo? Okay. There we go. We got it. So Khadija is asking, what is your perspective on Pluto in the sixth? That's going to be my new 20-year reality soon. I'm a bit nervous. And what kind of things should I be aware of or conscious, cautious about with transiting Neptune opposite my ascendant. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you, Tarya T, for the super sticker, friend. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, if you want to make a donation to the, the work that I'm doing here today, you can do a little dollar sign in the chat on YouTube, or you can buy me coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Devin says, you're a bard with a new instrument. Yes, it does feel like a symphonic performance with this uh, new program. <laughs> There's a lot of spinning wheels, so uh, just bear with me with some of it. I think it's going pretty well, but uh, I'm still learning all the ins and outs of it. Okay, so Khadija is talking about Pluto on the 6th. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'll bring up the, the chart here. Okay, so what we're looking at, Hopefully you can see all this. She has Pluto moving into the sixth house here eventually, and then Neptune heading on to the descendant. So those are the two things that we're working through here. So a couple things. Oh, thank you, Michelle, for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. I want to make sure I get those up there. Thank you, Michelle. You're always so very generous with your with your resources here. Um, I appreciate you, and it really does really does go a long way to help support the work I'm doing. So I appreciate both of you for your donations today and your gifts to the channel. Okay. So, Khadija. Pluto moving into the sixth. Neptune on the descendant. So Khadija has. A Leo Sun and Mercury in the 12th house and uh, let's see let me just kind of get get my bearings with the chart here for a minute so you have a 12th house ascendant ruler uh, you have the same kind of Sun Mercury combination in the 12th than I do ruling the ascendant like I have the Sun in the 12th ruling my Leo ascendant so I can relate a little bit to that I can just say that I have just gone through Pluto in the sixth house, opposing my sun and my Mercury <laughs> for the last what, 15 years. Um, here's, I can give you my personal anecdotal experience of it and a more general experience as well. Oh, thank you, Susanna, for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. Um, I want to make sure I acknowledge all those as they come in. Appreciate all of that. Okay. Okay, so what is your perspective on Pluto in the sixth? Well, uh, a lot of things changed for me. Um, I'm trying to figure out exactly when Pluto moved into a, a Capricorn. Uh, and it's hard, what I will say is it is hard to try to contextualize just one event 
when it comes to a, a transit that is 15 to 20 years long. But, but I think that if I was to condense it down to an essence for, for myself with a sixth house type of thing, uh, as I'm getting ready for Pluto to leave my sixth house, what is, what, what, how different have I become as a person? Uh, first of all, I have experienced many changes, and I think maybe even today, and this type of experience that we're going through today is a culmination of some of that. So yeah, thank you for those dates. Uh, Khadija says, Pluto and Capricorn dates November 27, 2008 to January 21st, 2024. Interesting. That is super interesting. Um, the the main thing that I can see that's coinciding with that is I met my partner, uh, Tanya, in October, late October of 2008. And uh, she has changed a lot of my views on the world, on work, on responsibility. Um, she's a Capricorn rising and a extraordinarily dependable, hardworking, amazing person who, when the going gets rough, she's just incredible in a crisis. So I was, I was struggling with being a parent at that time. Not that I wasn't being a parent, but I was, I was nervous about making the same mistakes that my own mother did at Khadija. Uh, I, I, my mom left when I was like four years old and I was always afraid I was going to, uh, ab abandon my child on some level. Right. And with this partner that came along, she taught me a lot of good lessons about sh just showing up and doing what needed to be done. That to me is a sixth house kind of energy. It's just showing up, doing what needs to be done. Uh, without complaint, without having to get credit for what you're doing as well. Um, my daughter was four years old during, when Pluto moved into Capricorn, or, or almost four years old, almost the same exact age that I, that my mom left me. Um, and I made a different choice than my mother did. Like I chose to, and I had to fight really, really hard to be a part of my daughter's life. I had a co-parent that was very interested in me going away. And I had to, to fight very, very hard to be a part of my daughter's life. And it, it, it included an enormous amount of thankless work, like going getting court documents, getting paperwork, showing up every single visitation, every, every, literally every single visitation. I think I, I missed one visitation to go play a gig in Toronto and I felt so guilty about it. And I didn't miss it. I rescheduled it. I felt so guilty about it. I was like, I'm never doing that again. Like I missed my daughter hardcore when, when I was playing that gig. It was a Jeff Buckley tribute show. And I said, I'm not doing that again. I'm showing up every single time. And that taught me a lot about responsibility. I think sixth house can be about responsibility. I think that it may change the way that you take care of your body. Um, I've had gone through a lot of changes with my diet and how I take care of myself around that period of time. I think that 
it also having Pluto opposing your sun and Mercury, um, there was a lot of challenges with ooh, authority figures around that period of time. I, the sun generally can represent authority figures. And since you have a 12th house sun and Mercury, what I can tell you about my own experience with that is that you will have people in your life that will this, the secret enemies part of the 12th house is an undermining influence. And it can either be our own self-esteem that undermines us, our own minds, or it can be people in our life that constantly try to undermine the things that we are trying to achieve in life. And that makes us feel at various times powerless. There were lots of times in my life, and there has been, where I've felt disempowered just by circumstance or through my own actions. And what I will say is that this is really important for a, especially a Leo Sun Mercury, okay? <laughs> like, uh, there's nothing that a Leo Sun and Mercury in the second decan of Leo probably desires more secretly than to be acknowledged for who and, and what they are and the work that they've done. And since you've had both of these planets in the 12th house, that may have been denied to you at various times in your life. And I think what Pluto is going to be teaching you over the next couple decades in Aquarius is how can you show up and do the work that you need to do without the need for applause. I think that's really important because there's, there's important things on the horizon for you where you're going to have to do the things that are important and that are helping you to, to move forward your community the important people in your life, you have a legacy to pass on, Khadija, whether it's whether you know what it is or not, with your ascendant in the third decan of, of Virgo. There's some there's something special that you have to pass on to the world. Okay. And you have to decide what it is that you're going to pass on. And oftentimes with Aquarius placements, we have to to pass on that legacy with the knowledge that the the people we're trying to help may never understand until much further in the future. And I mean, I mean generations potentially in the future. So how can you learn to do what, what needs to be done for the good of the whole and release the need to have applause for it? Okay, I here's one thing that I'll say about Saturn during Capricorn season. Saturn is a, a rebalancing energy. Think about Saturn's exaltation in Libra. It is also a planet that's associated with the, the, the spirit Nemesis. And Nemesis was the goddess that restored right proportion through increasing that which is lacking and decreasing that which is excessive. I tend to view planets in the 12th house now that are going through a humbling, that are going through a rebalancing, okay, that says maybe the energy of this planet has been uh, either too, too, um, too soft or too lacking, or maybe it's been excessive. So, and you're going to have to answer that question for yourself, Khadija, is has, you, has your need for approval, has it, has, do you need to put yourself out there more? Like I, I could see alternatively that it could scare, scare you to death to be visible, potentially. Or has it been excessive, where you might need the, the, the approval of others? I've been trying to teach this to my Leo Rising daughter. 
and when she comes to me looking for approval. Because I went through it myself as a Leo rising young person saying, you, I want you to, to, to be able to do things where you don't need my approval. Because eventually I won't be there and you're going to need to have motivation that arises from within, from your own authentic experience. And this might be part of the lesson of having those challenges and those oppositions between Pluto and the Sun and Mercury. It also could be very telling as far as Pluto is going to be the great equalizer in Aquarius. So one of the dangers of having Leo placements is when we are not in alignment, there can be, we can fall prey to that greater or less than thinking, where we either think that we are greater or less than someone else. And Pluto is going to challenge that thinking and help us to open our eyes to the, the, ne the necessity of, of seeing each other as equals, of redistributing resources, of doing what is correct for the sustained life on this planet. And sometimes that may be giving up a position of power or redistributing resources to those that don't have them or, or living with less so that we can sustain life on this planet moving forward. Uh, as far as Neptune on the Descendant goes, Khadija, this might just be something where there is a little bit of confusion around partnerships and relationships in your life. You're going through a Saturn return right now too, which is challenging. And that third decan of Pisces asks us about the um, the sacrifices necessary for our dream. Uh, think about the Ten of Cups with that decan. And it is a Mars ruled decan, which can sometimes lead us to becoming martyrs for a cause. And it also can swing us wildly from hope to despair. So there could be wild swings of emotion within a partnership. There could be uh, maybe even sacrifices that you are making around that. And you may have to get clear about how the roles of, become, of crusading, how that role plays out in your relationships. So I hope that's helpful for you, Khadija. Uh, she says that the approval part is interesting. I feel like I need to put stuff out there on a, more on a business level, but trying to get approval from loved ones probably definitely needs to be reduced. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, you know, do it because it's the right thing to do, not, not to get the accolades, right? And, and that's hard. That's tough. We all desire approval. We're social creatures. But there's a, there's a right balance with it says, thanks for giving such a thorough response. Oh, that's, that's what we do here. We're, we're thorough. <laughs> thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Okay. Michelle says, my north node in Aries and south node in Libra is in Libra, so I'm about to have an exact return. General forecast says, letting go of career. I don't have that luxury. How else can this be interpreted? North node, Aries, south node, Libra. Michelle, you're Capricorn rising from what I remember. So we've got that south node moving through the 10th and the north node in the 4th. As far as just letting go of a career, you don't necessarily have to completely change careers, but maybe there's some things that you could change within your career that could be helpful. Um, just like we were talking about with the Leo-Aquarius fire-air axes, we have another fire-air axes with Aries and Libra. And just like we are reducing our need for approval and applause through Leo, 
With the south node in Libra, it might be reducing our need to always run things by somebody else, you know, to always have someone else's perspective before we take action. So there may be a situation in your working life where you just need to reduce your dependence on a partner within the job rather than completely change your career. You may have to just be more decisive in your job. And that could be really challenging, especially if you've been used to adjusting to other people's energy. But I think that's the main the main thing I could see with that. My, my Capricorn rising partner has started to, she's super sweet. She's like the nicest person ever. But I think that there's sometimes where that niceness has gotten her into situations where people will take advantage of her or treat, treat her inappropriately. And I think she's starting to get kind of fed up with that. And I think that um, short of completely changing her career, I think that she's getting more and more comfortable with saying, no, this is how it is. And this is how this is what I'm going to do. And you can choose to come along or you can choose not to. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or that the other person is wrong. It's just that you're taking yourself into the equation, which I think is super important. Okay, yes, I'm caprising. Venus and Mercury conjunct in Libra. Oh, so you probably have extra influences with trying to create harmony in your life. And no shame in that. You know, like creating harmony is a is an admirable trait. It is something that we need more peacemakers out in the world. It's just that sometimes we have to be careful about um, letting ourselves get walked on when when we really need to stand up for ourselves. Yeah, it says life's been a journey to be more assertive. Well, this is your opportunity. And there's a really important eclipse coming in, I believe, late March, early April at 19 degrees of Aries that could be a really great new start for, you know, being, asserting your own vision and making a more declarative statements about who and what you are. And, and it doesn't mean everyone's going to like it. And that's okay. You can't always make everyone happy all the time. And that's been a tough lesson for me to learn, but for a lot of us in our lives to learn. Okay. Okie dokie doke. More questions. Any other one? Questions here. Let's, uh, I love this. I love being able to put your, your questions and your comments up on the screen. This is super cool. I'm going to take this, uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about uh, this amazing animal that I recently came, had an encounter with. This is the beaver. All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Saturn and Pisces today and the beaver. Uh, I'll just tell you a little story, a little anecdote. Uh, my partner, Tanya, and I were out for a walk. We went to a place called the Mathai Botanical Gardens here in Ann Arbor. Beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, it has a little stream associated with a watershed. The Fleming, I believe it's called Fleming Creek Watershed. Uh, there's a there's a tropical house as well. But we like going for walks out in the woods there. Um, beautiful space. And we were taking a walk uh, the previous weekend. And we came across this. <laughs> There's my beautiful partner, Tanya. Uh, we came across this beaver dam uh, in the creek, like which it was incredible. And they were like, "Hey, guess what, friends? There's a new beaver. There's a new. There's a new beaver dam 
uh, being formed. We have a new beaver neighbor. And you can see here that they were describing that it had been 150 years since beavers had been established in this area. A lot of them uh, were, you know, went extinct from the area because of the fur trade and trapping, etc. And this was this was kind of the first time they had seen beaver activity in our in the Fleming Creek watershed area in like since the botanical gardens have been open, which is, I, I believe, over a hundred years which is super exciting. Whenever you see, I mean, we see all these negative stories about habitat loss and things like that, but when you have little victories like this, it's so, it just feels so good. It makes my heart sing. So we, we were seeing all of these signs of beaver activity. So look at this. These, were, these are my pictures of our, our trip here. And you could see that they were hard at work, chewing away at the trees. You know, they, they were busy busy little beavers, right? And you could see here that they had started, you know, felling trees and making a dam that had started to make the watershed uh, flood and started completely changing the the course of this little stream. This is not a big like river. This is like a like a creek basically that now had turned into this like mini lake type mini mini pond habitat, I guess you could say. So they are reshaping their physical reality through the element of water. And here you can see the beaver dam, which I thought was such an apt metaphor for Saturn and Pisces. Saturn is a, is a planet that encourages us to, to reshape the foundations of our life. And in this case, we are building our dreams through the water element of intuition, of emotions, of the connective tissue that is not necessarily visible. So as I was talking about earlier with Saturn in the 12th house, because the joy of Saturn is the 12th house, we have the ability to rebalance something with Saturn, which shows us our excesses. It shows us our in inadequacies, okay? It shows us our uh, the lack in our life. Okay, cast us into exile on some level. So we have the opportunity to rebalance our beliefs, our mythological narratives that shape the reality of our life. So through reshaping our beliefs, we can reshape our reality. So I just thought that that was an incredible omen and animal messenger on our walk to, to really experience the Saturn and Pisces energy. I mean, this is, this is something where not everything you see in nature or out in the world is an omen, in my opinion. But when you feel the, the spark of recognition, that's when you get the, om the omen, the oracle speaking to you. And when we saw this dam, this beaver spirit, we both instantly felt the recognition of an oracular consciousness communicating to us. Because what, what are the odds, right? Of like, we're just taking this random walk and this, this beaver that hadn't been in the area for a hundred plus years has now taken up residence in our backyard, basically. And it had reflected, it reflected to us the, the necessary work that goes into reshaping our reality. I, I said in a previous broadcast last week that Saturn and Pisces will teach us 
how to reshape our narratives that keep us either in a prison or that can help us build something. Now, in Pisces 1, Saturn is bringing us those feelings of discontent uh, where we are just not really vibing with our physical reality and we, we are leaving potentially something behind that was important to us to be able to create a new reality. You can see here, I have the Eight of Cups, which is the, the card, the tarot card that is syncretized with this particular decade. You can see it almost looks like a dam, like a beaver dam. See, isn't that funny? Oh, let's see if I can get it to focus here. There, you know, those cups are like a beaver dam, right? This is the beaver going off to do some more work. And I just thought that, uh, you know, last week I talked a little bit about reshaping my belief systems when it comes to uh, resources, when it comes to what I might be capable of as far as like being able to support myself and the support that I receive from others. There has been narratives in my own life where I felt like I was un unworthy of receiving or when I received too much and I needed I needed to, to learn how to take care of myself. I've, I've gone, I've seen both extremes. And, um, you know, a lot of the efforts you're seeing here with trying to upgrade the, the experience is an effort on my part also to to expand my capability to support myself through this work. So hopefully it's resonating with you. But that beaver energy is super important. They, they change their, they completely change their realities through hard work, uh, through chewing on a problem until a breakthrough. Sometimes we give up too easily, right? When we're about to have a breakthrough. They can redirect entire water flows, entire streams, entire narratives of our lives could be redirected. They create fertile farmland through these ponds that they create, that, that silt will gather in these ponds that they've created. And when the dam breaks, eventually when the beaver moves on, there's fertile land left to, for things to grow in. They, they reshape the, the habitat. Um, so this is a great time to reshape your environment, to start to build your dreams. Now, the interesting thing too, is that Saturn is also conjoined a fixed star called Fomahalt. And I want to show you this here. So this is, Fomahalt is a, is a, is a fixed star about four degrees of Pisces. And it is one of the watchers of the South or it is the watcher of the south. It is, is the star of the winter solstice in ancient philosophy, a royal star of Persia. And it reflects poetic imagination. Some people call it the wizard star, where we are utilizing our charisma to, to engage with other states of consciousness. And sometimes when we're trying to change and shift our material realities, we get too focused on the material part of it. And sometimes we have to embrace some of the dark matter that that indigenous way of an, of an ensouled cosmos has us thinking that that where when we are when we have be belief and faith in what we cannot see, that eventually actually can help us to reshape our our physical realities and that connection. We've lost that on some level, and we need to to bring that back into our realities here. So 
Fomahalt, super, uh, super amazing fixed star. It's a great time for journeying in your inner experience. Austin Coppa calls the Deccan associated with Pisces 1, the labyrinth. So going off on a journey to find meaning in your life is very important. It's important for you to have a why before you start doing the hard work. The beaver has a why. The beaver wants a home. The beaver wants food. The beaver wants to shape, reshape his reality to create a family. So what is motivating you? What is your why? And being able to discover that is very important. And oftentimes, we will have a sense of dissatisfaction and disillusion while we are coming to it. Now, I'm speaking on Saturn specifically today because we're in Capricorn season. And Capricorn is the um, is hosted by this Saturn. This These are the types of energies that are feeding the Capricorn Sun and Mars right now, and eventually the Capricorn Mercury tomorrow. So lean into that feeling of disillusionment, dissatisfaction, as the potential beginning of a breakthrough. You have to keep chewing on something to get to that breakthrough type of experience. Take those first steps towards change through acknowledging that you're unhappy, <laughs> like right? I think that's the thing, like through acknowledging that, oh man, maybe the stories that I've been telling myself are not working for me, right? Maybe I have this this narrative in my that, that is based on a reality that is in the past. And here's the thing that I think is super important about this. At one point, the narrative that you crafted around your life probably was a survival mechanism to get you through a particular point in your life. But what often happens is we get stuck in those loops. We get stuck and we get lost in the maze. So we have to try to get realistic about where we are now and if those narratives actually are serving the person that we are today and the needs of our life today and into the future. And that really helps us to, to move forward with this type of thinking. Okay, because eventually we're going to have to eliminate some of the old narratives and dreams. We're going to have to cut down a few trees, right, with our teeth. We have to chew on something, cut down some of those trees so we can build something that will reshape our reality. So that's something I just want to share that story because that just really was standing out to me today. Um, I want to share with you also, I did a, I did a hexagram for you for today. And that hexagram I got was opposition. So I asked what lesson is Saturn in Pisces 1 bringing us? And I got hexagram number 38, which translates to opposition, estrangement, misunderstanding, differing points of view, polarity, diversity, creative tension, finding commonality with indifference. Okay, so this this is something where we maybe feeling a little bit out of step and out of touch with things in our life. And we have to be, uh, we have to hold that duality sometimes. We have to hold that challenge. And I think that this is the first step towards a breakthrough. Um, we also have to be able to see someone else's perspective to be able to, to really understand it. And this is going to bring me to the the talk I was going to, the the little... My friend in the chat here, Devin, suggested this wonderful book that I think really speaks to this, this hexagram 38. And this is a book called Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta. 
how indigenous thinking can save the world. And we talked about the ensoulment of the cosmos, where we don't necessarily think of things as dead and alive. We think of everything as having a consciousness and, and as of living and that the illusion of separation. And Pisces is showing us that the the separation of the material and the spiritual is an illusion. It is all unified. We talk about, you know, Austin in his brilliant book, 36 Faces, talks about Indra's net and how we have the connection of the spirit world and the material world um, with one of his Pisces decans. And Tyson, who is an, an Australian indigenous uh, author, uh, has some really interesting insights. I'm, I'm a couple... I'm only a couple chapters into this, but maybe this will be one of our guided group study books. If you're interested in that, drop me a comment if this sounds like interesting exploration. But I wanted to just to read you a quote about opposition because he describes interacting with one of his tribe members and one of the concepts that they have. He tells a story about the, the emu and the emu brings the illusion of greater and less than and he talks about conflict of other. And, and he had a, a story or an anecdote about a, a sparring, kind of a sparring condition that, or a, a, what is, how would I describe it? He talks about a, a practice or a ritual, ritualistic sparring. And it has a really interesting life lesson too, and I'll read it to you. It says, we've spent a lot of time sparring in a traditional style that was once done with stone knives. The rules of engagement are that you can only cut your opponent on the arms, shoulders, or back. Extremely difficult to do. And here's the kicker. At the end of the fight, the winner must get cut up the loser, the, must get cut up the same as the loser, so that nobody can walk away with a grudge. It's hard enough to cut someone on the back with a stone knife when they're trying to do the same to you, but it's even harder when you know that every time you cut them, you're really just cutting yourself. In our yarns that follow these sessions, we decided this kind of combat forces you to see your enemy's point of view, and by the end of it, you can no longer be opponents because you're connected by mutual respect and understanding. Pretty awesome. And very true. And eventually, when you start to see your enemy as a, as a, as a version of yourself, or not even a version of yourself, as a facet of you, of of the unity between the two of you, they cease to become an enemy. And, and this book talks a lot about the modern, the, the, the narcissistic tendencies of modern, modern thinking and how we feel like we are greater than or less than each other in various situations. We see the greater and less than with nations. We see greater and less than with uh, demographics between people, between ages, between uh, gender, between all of these things that separate us. And when you really, when you learn the lesson of compassion and you see your quote-unquote enemy as yourself and the damage that you're doing to them as hurting yourself, you cease to want to fight. You cease to want to fuel a, a war machine, uh, a military industrial complex, etc. When you see Gaia as an unified organism that is living rather than nations and states and other cities and and othering it's it completely changes your perspective on on life itself 
and on our connection with each other. So I was just really moved by that, and I'm just very excited to see how this is going to be unfolding as I get further on in this book. So I think that is what I have for you today. Pick up this book. Maybe we'll do it as a book club. Um, let's see. I'll, I could take a few more questions here, and then we're going to wrap for the day. So let me take a look. Do me a huge favor before I do more questions. Please like and subscribe to the channel today. Uh, appreciate all of you who have been hanging out today. If you want to book a reading, you can find me at spencermichaud.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Spencer Michaud. So we have one more question coming in from Stephen. Stephen says, Transiting Saturn in Pisces is making a sextile to my natal Saturn in Taurus in the 6th. Also, transit Jupiter is opposite natal Jupiter. Will my business start to take off? Uh, let's pull your chart up, Stephen. Maybe this will be... Mr. Hindsight says, I just checked this book out from my library. Good, good. I hope that I'm that Devin's lit the spark and hopefully I'm amplifying the signal. So I'll take a look at Stephen's chart here and then I think this will be the last one uh, for the day and then we'll wrap it up unless there's other technique questions things of that nature. I can feel my my energy starting to, to wane. But I want to make sure we get to... You got it right in under the belt there, Stephen. Okay. So here's Stephen. Stephen! I've been watching um, <laughs> Stephen Universe recently, <laughs> if all of you are familiar with that. It's a cartoon that is awesome. I just love it. It's a, it's it's incredible. I know I'm late to the party, but uh I really think it's a great show and it's just kind of really comfort comforting to watch and uh just just fun. But now I anytime I see the the name Steven, I just hear we are the crystal gems. Do 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 do. do, do and then they go and garnet and pearl and amethyst and Steven at the end. <laughs> so forgive me for uh you know putting that in there. Okay, Steven? Steven love yes. Okay, so you got it. Love Steven University. So watch it with my students. This is a great show. I just I I'm really enjoying it. I love I love uh crystals too and seeing all the combinations and like I saw the episode with Sujolite where uh Garnet and Amethyst fused together to become Sujolite is awesome. Jolene, thank you for the super sticker, my friend. Appreciate you. Says that love this. Totally resonates. Aquarius, MC, Saturn, and Pisces. I think I need to get the I need to get the book. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for your super sticker, friend. And uh Jennifer says I have MC on Fomahalt. Oh, cool. So so you probably embody this this Fomahalt energy, Jennifer, out in the world of using your charisma to maybe even teach people about the secrets of the universe. Khadija says, Steven Universe, one of my favorite cartoons. I have several Steven Universe pins on my jean jacket. Cool, nice. I, I'm pretty obsessed with it. Tony and I watch it every night now. Okay, so Steven, I've got your chart up here. I'll add this to the stage. And I've got 22 degrees Sagittarius rising, which uh, I believe you're Sag rising. Hopefully we got this correct. And we are looking at Stephen's chart in regards to 
Saturn and Taurus in the sixth. I'll bring up the transits here. Okay. And tr transiting Jupiter opposite natal Jupiter while my business start to take off. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this, there we go. Good. I'm going to, I got to put this smaller so I can see the rest of it here. So will my business take off? Okay. And maybe Stephen, if you could just put your question, will my business take off in there, then that'll help me put it on the stage for you or on the screen. It says stage here. So Stephen's asking about Jupiter, I believe on Saturn. Okay. Uh, we've got Mars making a trine to Jupiter here from the second. Let me see. Uh, let's see, Jupiter opposite natal Jupiter. Okay, that's that's what we're looking at here. Um, Saturn and Pisces making a sextile to my natal Saturn. Wow, we've got a lot of different connections happening here. So we've got Saturn, sextile, Saturn. Okay, we've got Jupiter opposite Jupiter. Okay, but what I will say is that we we, we have a really nice Mars-Jupiter trine that's happening this weekend as we go into the weekend. So that's something uh, we're, we're dealing with. Um, will my business take off? You know, here's, here's a couple things. Let's look to the ruler of your, both your MC and your 10th house. So we're looking at Mercury for the 10th house and Venus for the 11th. Um, so you have Venus in Pisces 3, and you have Neptune hanging out over the top of your MC. So that could lead to, mm, I hesitate to say this, but it could be, there, there could be overestimating an, like something around that. There could be an illusion that needs to become clear around it. With Jupiter stationing, or not stationing direct on your natal Saturn, that's correct, in the last few weeks, Saturn in the sixth house is the ruler of your second and your third. So that I, that I think would be positive. So Jupiter stationing direct on your natal ruler of your second and your third house could suggest an increase in your in your resources, but it has to be through the hard work that is basically that you do behind the scenes, right? That, that, that you don't get credit for right away. Um, before I had done this, before I did this new program that I'm doing today, the new live stream, I practiced with it for a couple weeks, just doing test live streams, creating all the infrastructure behind the scenes. And I think that's one thing that's gonna be really important for you to do to help your business to to take off. Now the opposition with Jupiter in Scorpio in your natal chart and Jupiter in Taurus, I think that this is something where for you to create honor and merit and success in your life, you may have to work in a slightly different way than you are used to. Jupiter in, in Scorpio tends to, in the first decan of Scorpio, it, it might be a, a something where you may be focused on what you have lost, like with experiencing grief 
right? That that first decade of Scorpio is very much associated with with grieving our losses, and there might be something where instead of approaching it from that regard, you have to just make plans to expand your material abundance. The 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 first decade of Taurus is very much related to making plans to expand our abundance. So all of the practical, experiential, you know, mundane things that make a business successful are going to be important if you want your business to do well right now. Uh, so, so don't think of any of the tasks that are in front of you as menial. I think that one of the things that is challenging sometimes with Sagittarius placements or rising is because they're focused on the bigger picture, it's hard for them sometimes to focus in on the granular details that need to be done to 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 get the ball moving, to get the arrow, you know, going in the right direction to hit the target. So my advice, Stephen, for this is that uh, try to make practical daily habitual steps towards your goal. Uh, try not to get too lost in the in the big universal picture and just show up each day and do just what needs to be done for that day and then have some fun and then show up again the next day do what needs to be done for that day and then do something fun uh, this is a great way to create success this is this is a lesson I've had to learn with my midheaven being in Taurus 3 and my moon being there is that I don't have to do everything in one day I just need to be consistent and keep showing up and eventually that will help build into something stable. So I hope that that helps you, Stephen. I think that you, your business could could take off as, as long as you're staying grounded and doing the daily habits necessary to, to be consistent with it. Okay? All right. That's what I've got for you here. There. Let me go back to... Thank you, Stephen, for that question. Um... Let's see. Khadija says, how do you stay organized as a business person? Like, how do you organize your notes on books and various research, as well as all the bookkeeping and admin <laughs> aspects? Uh, okay, I'll get to that in a second, because Stephen says, awesome, I show up for myself through meditation and do some fun activity. Good, good. Yes, and meditation super important with Saturn and Pisces, all of the that's the other thing with Jupiter and Scorpio you are you you have been able to create through honor and merit through connecting with the unseen aspects of of the world what I'm encouraging you to do Stephen is to connect with the physical part of of the equation okay to do to do the physical repetitive tasks that are necessary to be successful in the material plane you can still draw upon your meditation experiences and draw upon the energy of engaging with a spiritual practice which is super important um, but you have to chop wood and carry water i guess is the my advice for that okay so back to your question khadija how do you stay organized as a business person how do you organize your notes on books and various research as well as all the bookkeeping and admin aspects this is changing as I try to expand what I'm doing. Um, I'll show you a couple things that I do. I, I like to use something called focus notes. So here is like uh, 
a version of my notes for the astrology of January 2024 and I always make you know 3-5 to five pages worth of notes and I keep them and I, I do written notes I like doing handwritten notes and um, so I have like a whole bookshelf full of these th you know note binders I do that for all my webinars as well I write everything out by hand and then I make things in Canva um, I use a booking program called Acuity to do my scheduling, which is very helpful because then I don't have to do like 10 emails back and forth for one appointment. Basically, people can see my schedule and then they can uh, book on my app. And you can find that at spencermashow.com. I don't know what's going on here. Sorry. Well, there we go. Okay. Um, as far as business person, I use a program called You Need a Budget. YNAB for short, Y-N-A-B, and I, I keep track of all my expenses and all my uh, income through that. Uh, I take PayPal and I do things through Square and PayPal, etc. Um, administrative tasks, I, I mean, I, I'm a one-man band right here. I'm, I'm creating all the promotional material. I'm doing all the notes for the show. I'm doing all the production work. Uh, I do the readings. Probably eventually I might have to start delegating that, although I've been experimenting with some AI assist for just for simple things. Like one of the things I did this week is I timestamped a video for last week and I did it by hand, but I've been experimenting with like, you know, artificial intelligence, just going through the video and timestamping it for me because timestamping takes to timestamp a three hour video takes me like 30 or 40 minutes uh, just going through and finding the right places. So that might be something I might start incorporating, although I have mixed feelings about that because I know that there are human beings that can do those jobs too. Um, so I hope that's answering your question. Uh, and, and you know, at the end of a year, you, you do all your accounting, you know, as a business owner. Um, and, uh, y you know, I just do my taxes and write off expenses and etc. And then Khadija says, as a follow-up, where and how do you market the channel? Well, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I have a Facebook page. I have my own website. I have Instagram and Twitter or X. I have an Instagram threads uh, thing. Um, I don't know. I, th those are the, the, the channels that I, I you know advertise through. I don't think I do a, a lot of like focused advertising. I don't buy advertising. I just show up and hope people find me. <laughs> so I rely a lot on word of mouth. Uh, what I can suggest though, that a lot of the boosts that I got as a, an astrologer were through either having guests on my channel or being a guest on someone's channel. So I feel like that is a really important piece of the puzzle. I've been doing less of that lately, but I might start doing more of that in the future. Um, so I hope that's helpful. I would say just, just stick with it. Like when you're trying to build something like this, you have to be yourself. I think number one, I think that a lot of the times people were suggesting to me things I should or shouldn't do on YouTube, length of my videos, and they're like, your videos are too long, blah, blah, blah. You're too complicated and detailed. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's who I am. I just show up and be me and I don't without compromise on some level. 
And the people that like it will really like it and will show up every single week like many of you do. And the people that don't will move on. And that's fine. That's fine with me. You, that's how you will find a loyal uh, community that will be in alignment with what you do. Now, does that mean that you don't take in consideration the, the needs of your community? No, I, I try to ask and, and listen to see what is needed. And I sometimes I'll observe how other people do things, but for the most part, I just kind of do me and let the chips fall where they may. And I think eventually, if you err on the side of authenticity, that will help you create success. It might not happen as fast or on the scale of other people that are making those compromises, but at the end of the day, it will be a reflection of something that will be meaningful and important to you. And the types of interactions that you'll have with your community will be high quality, like the, the ones we have on this channel. I, I feel like this community is an incredible community. It's intelligent, it is respectful and kind, and I love it. I mean, I just love interacting with all of you each week. And I think that you get to set the tone as to how you want to interact with your audience and with your community. And I try to set the tone here of a, a, a standard of quality, a standard of compassion and kindness, and a standard of listening and, and including my community in the process. And you'll have to find what works for you, Khadija, but that, those are the standards here. And um, it's worked out pretty well for the most part. We're, we're having to make some adjustments here and there, and I'm having to find new apertures to be able to support the material part of my life, which, which is hard sometimes. I, I'm still learning on how to open myself up to receiving abundance. I give a lot on this channel. And, um, but you give, all, you, you all give me a lot as well. So, uh, it's always a two way street. Okay. Thank you. I'm definitely taking notes. Good. And just keep at it. Just keep at it. Just don't be afraid to be yourself and, and yourself is going to be different than myself and your channel is going to be different than my channel or wh whatever it is, you know, like you don't have to necessarily do everything that someone else is doing. You have to find what works for you through experimentation and sometimes you'll you'll fail and that's okay that's that's uh, an important business realization is that failure is a part of it and failure is a learning experience jennifer says just got home driving through the snow slow driving slippery and wet with heavy snow be safe out there oh my goodness oh geez i'm looking out the window <laughs> it's like a, a half a foot of snow already since i've been doing this well my friends i think that is what i've got for you today do me a huge favor. Please like and subscribe to the channel. If you are new here, you are welcome. If, as long as you are kind and respectful to everyone in this channel, you have a place here. And I just love showing up for you each week. I'll be back here next week talking about the full moon. Uh, we have full moon in Leo. So we'll break that down and take it through the signs and chat with you as well. Hopefully I'll be adding some new features to the channel as we go with these new tools. I've got some ideas for maybe some shorter content pieces that are more evergreen, which would be fun. Um, do me a huge favor. Go over to SpencerMichaud.com and check out the work that I've done over there. Remember the Deccans of Capricorn are on sale right now if you want to learn more about that. There's also a Deccans of Pisces webinar there too if you want to learn more about what we talked about today. 
um, please follow me over at Instagram and Twitter if you're listening here today. This is a great opportunity to connect on those uh, those channels as well. I also have a Facebook page, so find me over there as well. So that is what I've got for you. KP says, as a sun square Uranus, I'm standing and applauding your business model. Don't change or compromise. Well, I'm doing the best I can, friend, and uh, thank you for that encouragement. Appreciate you. Michelle says, have a great weekend, everyone. We've got hearts from Jennifer. Julian says, thanks for your time. Got me through all my chores and workout. Have a great weekend. David says, great talk as always, Spencer. Well, thank you, my friends, and I appreciate you all being here. Uh, remember, remember, remember. Super, super important uh, to be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Um, have a great weekend. Have a great Mercury moving into Capricorn. Thank you, Laura Elizabeth, for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. And um, we will have, uh, we'll share stories. We'll share notes. I'm really enjoying seeing all your faces here on the screen. You know, get, get, your, get your profile pics up to date so I know what you look like, and, and we'll keep connecting. All right, my friends, that's what I've got, and we'll see you the next time. Take care.